I'm Vicki McCann, and I'm the Director for Curriculum and Instruction with the Archdiocese of Washington Catholic Schools. I'm actually starting my 16th year with the past three years in this role. I wear a lot of different hats, just like you. I spearhead all things curriculum standards, resources, instruction, which include professional development and even assessment. We dig in a little bit and talk about community in this episode. I recently retweeted a post that suggested asking your students to brainstorm what community means to them and then invite them to envision three necessary ingredients for their virtual community to function. Sarah Dugan has conducted many workshops for our ADW educators, most recently on growth mindset. Sarah's passion is for educating and supporting educators. She joins me today to discuss the importance of community in the classroom. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. Can you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your role in education? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm just super excited to be here. So um, my teaching career started right after college. When I graduated from Georgetown, um, I got a teaching job at the McLean School of Maryland, not too far from where I live now. Um, And I taught English, middle school English there to students with learning differences, uh, which was a huge learning experience for me in terms of how really appreciating and honoring every student and kind of where they come from and what they're bringing to the classroom emotionally and academically. Um, And from there, I left and taught at public school in Fairfax County, Virginia for five years, also middle school English. And then from there, I ended up becoming an instructional coach in Fairfax County and did that for six years. And I served um, at-risk student populations. I served teachers working with those at-risk students um, who were so dedicated. And it was an amazing learning experience. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. where my understanding about adult learning was kind of solidified. And not unlike student learning, um, you have to prioritize the relationship and trust um, when it comes to teaching teachers so that they can reflect openly and take risks and learn new things. So that was a powerful learning experience for me too. And then most recently I've started my own consulting business, Teach, Learn, Thrive it's called. And um, I bring professional development and coaching to schools who wanna give teachers customized and high quality learning opportunities, but who may not have an instructional coach on site. Um, So right now I'm running a lot of online trainings at the moment um, in K through eight schools around the area and many of which are in the archdiocese. Um, A popular topic, of course, is online learning and concurrent classrooms. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, and as you know, um, our ADW theme for this school year, we always pick a theme. So this year, our theme is ADW community and we capitalize the unity in the word community, but how now that you um, understand that, why is building community in classes so important for teachers? So it's always important and it couldn't be more important, though, during a year like this. I mean, distance learning, if you just think about the term, it's so it can be so distant um, mm-hmm. and learning is about connection. And when feel when students feel like they can share a piece of who they are or like they get to accomplish something with their peers or they can somehow make their classroom unique uniquely representative of them, then they feel more ownership and then their brains are more primed for learning. And of course, as you know, all the research shows that there has to be psychological safety for learning to occur. Um, And that, again, couldn't be more important right now when there are so many threats to our emotional well-being and kids' emotional well-being right now. Um, So spending extra time building relationships in class is, is paramount. 
Right. And you mentioned you've been doing a lot of um, online training. So how have you been accommodating for the changes this year and the trainings that you run? So, you know, it's the medium has changed, right? It's online now, but but really I'm focusing all my professional development this year on ideas and themes that I'm calling them tent pole ideas that kind of metaphorically hold up our our thinking as we plan for hybrid or online instruction. And relationships is actually one of my four tentpole ideas. Um, and actually none of them are related to technology at all. That just is the medium. Um, and teachers have told me that this reassures them because all the platforms that we have to figure out, you know, Seesaw, et cetera, I could list all of the crazy named platforms. But mm-hmm. um, so I hope teachers just remember that they're, their expertise as trained professional educators are essential in online and concurrent and hybrid learning situations. Um, And those, so my tent poles kind of relate to that. It's relationships, it's clear and simple communication, it's giving students opportunities to feel ownership over their learning experience. And then finally, it's grace because we're all in difficult situations this year and we all need a lot of grace. Right. Um, I love that. I love that concept of a tent pole because you can really visualize it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think it, it's just meaningful that it's not about technology. Um, mm-hmm. It goes back to the best practices that were important before this pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways to build community in classrooms that have all those different models that you mentioned, the hybrid, the concurrent, and the virtual? So my suggestion is to pepper the class time, no matter what the um, format, with all kinds of low stakes and just fun and easy community builders that can be done in person and online. Um, Like in terms of getting to know classmates, some of my favorites are just really simple. Like you can build a slideshow, a a Google slideshow with a couple slide templates that you assign to each kid. And those students on their own time can take the time to maybe add a picture of themselves, add their, some of their favorite things, some fun facts about themselves. And then once students begin to complete that over time, the teacher can take some time each day and kind of spotlight one student and give that student a voice and an opportunity to share their slides with the class. Um, So super simple and just nice and a a way to build relationships. Another idea also, I would suggest doing this on a Google slide. If you've got any kind of um, online students, successes and celebrations. Have just having an empty slide titled successes and celebrations. Any student can contribute something positive that they accomplished or that happened to them recently that they just want to share. They can add pictures. And again, this is also something that could um, inspire dialogue between students because somebody else could maybe comment on someone's positive accomplishment that they posted on. Um, Or even just a game, like a silly game, like never have I ever. Um, you know, never asking students, never have I ever been on a roller coaster? Is that you or not? Never have I ever had my own pet, etc. And if they're on Zoom, they can turn off their camera and show just a blackened screen if it's th- if that's them. Um, the kids in the classroom can raise their hand if that's them. So um, another fun one that makes a lot of people laugh is called Box of Lies. And it's actually inspired by Jim, uh, a Jimmy Fallon sketch he does on his show, and this is for kids of any age. Um, So kids online would go in their house and find some random object, bring it to their computer, but keep it out of the camera's sight so nobody can see. Then they have to describe it to their classmates, either totally truthfully, or they can lie and just, you know, make up something that they don't, that it's not. Um, Then the other kids have to guess whether their description's true or not. 
So kids might find something super crazy um, and describe it in exact detail, or maybe they'll find something completely mundane and everyday and make up ridiculous details about it. Um, and that one's cool because it's different kinds of skills like creative thinking, kind of knowing your audience. It's a little bit of performance. Um, so those, so those are just a couple ideas. And then one more um, type of community builder would fall into the social emotional category, like just a simple drag and drop Google slide where it's divided into four corners. And this is basically a virtual four corners. Students are just answering the question, how do you feel today? And they might take the text box with their name on it and drag it to one of four corners of the slide. Like maybe there are emojis on the slide, you know, a happy face, a sad face, a tired face, or a angry face. And that can spark some discussion. Um, and even finally, the Google form confidential emotional check-in um, was extremely common in the spring when we were all kind of dealing with loss and trauma from the sudden closure of everything. But I still think that's extremely valuable to give students a confidential space to stare, share their status, their needs with teachers. Um, so teachers asking, how are you doing? And how are you learning? Like, how is learning working for you? What can I do to support you more? Things along those lines. Um, my child's teacher has an ongoing open link for that. And we found it very helpful. Okay. Oh, that's a good advice. Um, now, you know, you know, there's going to be that teacher who's like, I have my tried and true methods and they work in the classroom. So what do I do to put them online? Okay. Right. Right. And luckily it's doable. It's completely doable to move a lot of these tried and true, super fun community builders that teachers love online. So what I suggest is ask yourself, what is the purpose of my community builder or what drives my community builder? If it's idea sharing, then put it on either a Google slide or if you know Padlet or Jamboard, those are great open-ended sharing platforms where um, there's two great things. I mean, there's they're public so everybody can see what everybody else is adding. And also they're versatile. So you can make those open. They're almost like a blank space. You know, you can make them into whatever you need to for your um, for your community builder. And then I would say if it's all about dialogue, um, if that drives your community builder, you could put it on something like Flipgrid if you're familiar with that or on just Google um, Classroom a question, post a question and have discussed that way. Right, yeah. We have to remember sometimes it's, it's smart just to keep it simple sometimes, mm -hmm. not overwhelm the teacher or the student either. Exactly, exactly. We don't, and, and teachers don't need a cadre of 15 platforms that, you know, right. they, that they, even though there's more than that out there, right? You don't, you don't have to get fancy. Mm -hmm. Now, some teachers might become worried that maybe they're spending too much time, especially maybe in the beginning of the year, spending too much time on community and not enough time teaching content. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I do. I think that's constantly a challenge. And actually, there are so many ways to make communi community builders um, do double duty. So you're kind of, in, you know, allowing kids to have fun and play games, but you're also accomplishing one of your other goals as a teacher. And I have two formats that I want to suggest that are great for this kind of double dipping with a community builder. And the first one is just a scale or a continuum. So picture this, picture a blank Google slide with just a horizontal line across the that slide. And on either end is a label. So for this example, say 
on either end of this line or continuum, on one end it might say easy for me, and on the other end it might say hard for me. So imagine that the slide is titled, like for me, adding fractions is, and then students are invited to fill in the blank. Um, and this could actually just be for anything, any skill that's, whether it's school related or social emotional, um, but students would drag their name on, in a text box again to somewhere on the continuum to describe how they feel they are when it comes to adding fractions, right? Is it really easy? Is it really hard? Or is it somewhere in the middle or does it depend? Um, and think about the dialogue that could be sparked from that. You know, um, why'd you put your name where you did? Does anyone have a connection with that? So lots of connections between students, lots of vulnerability. Um, and then that breeds student ownership. And it also um, cultivates the idea of giving everybody grace. Um, you know, we're all doing the best we can and we all bring different skills to the table. You could do that for something like following directions, right? Like how, how do I do when it comes to following directions? Is that hard for me or not? When it comes to completing a creative task or even just being bold enough to raise my hand in class. So that cultivates community while also giving the teacher a good self-assessment of students and helps the teacher understand where students see themselves. Right. That's my first idea. And then my second idea is um, this awesome and very versatile strategy called claim a space. And again, what you would do was um, take a Google slide and insert a table so that you've got a blank grid and each square goes to a student. So like if you have a 25 student class, you're going to make a five by five grid. And then at the top, you just pose a question or a prompt and then students claim a space and they type their response into one of the spaces and put their name. So this could, so this is so beneficial in so many ways. I mean, everybody sees everybody else's responses. So again, discussion follows. It cultivates ownership and kind of lets kids know every single um, idea that's put into a space is valued and important. Um, it's open-ended. And so students know answers aren't being judged, might not be as intimidating for them that way. Again, it gives teachers a really nice snapshot of where their students are and their understanding. And this could be done for anything, you know, I would start doing this with something fun, like what's your favorite book and why? Um, mm -hmm. But then you could also do it as an exit ticket. Like what's the most important you, thing you learned today? Write it in your space, write your name. Uh, what's one question you still have about what we learned today? Um, and again, more reflective, like inviting students at this point in the year, you know, we've been in school about a month. What's one class rule you wanna do better following? Um, and then from there, you could even lead to opinion or analysis questions. Um, if you've read a text together as a class, why did the character make the choice they did? Um, and it could even become more complex from there. But, but I just think that claim a space is extremely versatile in, ter in terms of its, its versatility, but also just getting lots of voices in the room. Right. And it's actually, it's a really good um, tool for teachers to be able to measure students, you know, their level of understanding because mm -hmm. you'll be able to know that students that you know answer right away and then students that are maybe more reluctant and maybe they're just rewording what somebody else that you'll be able to feel them out even yeah. if it's not a graded assignment you'll be able to just learn so much by just what their answers are that's a really good technique yeah i'm glad you like it um what do you suggest for strengthening teacher and student relationships okay right so everything i've talked about so far in general is kind of creating this atmosphere between the students, but that's important too, right? The students need to feel like their teacher has their back and has created a safe space for them. So the first 
concept I want to talk about about regarding that is called pop-up pedagogy. And I learned that from this um, professor and researcher named Jackie Fitzpatrick. And it's, you know, it's these practices that will sound familiar to you. It's just things that can increase the touch points between teacher and student outside of regularly scheduled class time. So think about like, you know, I know Remind is a platform a lot of people, a lot of teachers use. So think about a quick post reminding students on your mind about a due date or what they're gonna cover tomorrow. Um, or like sending out a class newsletter is another example. Or a teacher just posting an inspirational quote and sharing it with students. Like I saw this, it made me think of you all. I hope you're having a great afternoon or something along those lines. Um, even a video of the teacher giving directions for an assignment they posted, posted on Google Classroom alongside the written, uh, written directions can make, the, make students feel as though they've got more points of connection with their teacher, even though it's a recorded video. Um, just adds a little bit more humanity to the distance learning experience. Um, and then, as teachers know, it's important to have a system for calling on students and making sure that you're getting all the kids' voices in the room. So, you know, I, I don't have anything remarkable to say on that other, you know, that people don't know about. Popsicle sticks are very popular and absolutely important for, you know, randomly drawing students' names and also just keeping a tally on a, on a class roster to make sure you're hearing from everybody and calling out or inviting students to participate if they haven't done so. Um, and then also, especially in the online space, it's essential to give students lots of different ways to participate because not everybody feels comfortable talking on Zoom. Um, so there are hand signals, you know, teachers could ask here, here's, you know, put up one finger if you agree, put up two fingers if you disagree. Um, there's the chat option for students who are old enough to be able to type out their own answers. Um, there's also small groups. Um, teachers can conduct breakout rooms. Um, and then also online discussion formats like Google Classroom Discussion Board and others are really important. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our schools are running concurrent classrooms this year. So what are some ways to build community between the online and then the in-person students? That is a great question. Um, and, and, I, and that is an extremely challenging format, the concurrent one. So mm -hmm. my hats are off to every teacher who is who is doing that. And I know there's so many teachers in the archdiocese doing an excellent job. So it's amazing. Um, so I have a couple strategies. And the first one I wanna talk about is called peer families. So thinking about putting students into groups called a peer family where there might be say four students and depending on the ratio you've got in your class, some of those kids are online and some of those kids are in person. And they might work together to build community within their small group, but they also might um, do collaborative group learning. You can together and support one another that way. Um, you can give them jobs, you know, the Zoom coordinator, the timekeeper, the secretary, the communicator, etc. Um, and this mm -hmm. is something where you, if you've got a lot of in-person students, you might need to um, grab a couple of iPads if those are available at your school and pipe in the online students to sit on the table and be part of that discussion um, in a, you know, they'd be in a Zoom breakout room, but they'd be on the table discussing things with in-person students. So, you know, you'd have to get a little, um, it might get a little tricky with the technology, but it's worth trying and getting creative to, to figure out how to make that work. Mm -hmm. um, and even like lunch buddies, just Zoom breakout rooms for just hanging out with friends during lunch, you know, letting kids be kids and, you know, using these ways of getting together online to 
to build to continue building relationships in an unstructured way, I think is also really important. Mm-hmm. I know there's a um, there's one teacher that I know of in our archdiocese that literally carried around an iPad that had the student that was virtually learning, and she carried around the student all day long throughout the classroom and just put her at different seats throughout yes. the uh, throughout the course of the day. And it just made the student also feel, you know, connected and part of that community. Yeah, I'm sure she felt really valued. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and I just hope that everybody has the technology in their classroom or school to be able to pull that off if they've got more than one online student. So right. So. Um, all right, you're going to play a game. So if you could only pick three and only three online tools to use for building community, what would it be? Okay. Um, I think this is a good game because I feel like nobody needs more than three, Um, but there are so many. Okay. I would say, I mean, I know I've already talked a lot about Google slides and for good reason, like it's Mm -hmm. simple and it's versatile and kids can pick it up and figure it out pretty quickly. And so I would definitely say that Um, I love Jamboard. I think it's really versatile too. Um, It's a lot like Padlet. So I would say Padlet could be a substitute um, if you're more familiar with that. Um, It's like basically an interactive online shared whiteboard. Um, and then finally, Flipgrid. I know it can be, Flipgrid can be a little bit intimidating and there's definitely a learning curve there, but I I really want to champion it because it's all about um, asynchronous discussion through video and students these days are so comfortable making videos um, of themselves. I, I mean, for example, my five-year-old's really good at it and I have no idea how we figured that out, <laughs> but um I I think that's how they are very comfortable communicating and it's a way you can get kids to communicate with one another and even think deeply and make connections um, in a way that feels comfortable for them. So those are my three. Right. And then um, I I would have to agree, to be honest with you, I have to agree with all three of those. I personally, I I agree with you. I talk about Flipgrid on probably every single one of my webinars (laughs) and that's because it can be used in so many different ways. So I agree with us. Take the time to learn it, teachers. I agree. It does take a little bit. And I still don't even know all the features, but it's such a powerful tool. It is. Um, what are the biggest challenges teachers are facing when it comes to building community in the unusual class structures? And do you have any tips for them? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've always time is teachers' biggest challenge. Like, I wish I could double the number of hours in a day or mm-hmm. something. But um you know, in terms of creating and planning community builders, which is what we're talking about today, the beauty of that is there are oodles of them pre-created online and they are everywhere. So there's, so that's a big time saver. Um, I do want to suggest one um, colleague of a former colleague of mine, her website is mrspark.org. And she has awesome um, templates that are in Google Slides for building community, um, but they're also everywhere. So teachers pay teachers, lots of free ones, etc. Um, so t- so time is a challenge, but free online templates is a solution. Hopefully, um, I'd also say the bigger the biggest problem, and we already discussed this, is connecting the online students to the in person students. And you know, other than what I've discussed already, my suggestion is is that if it's just not happening and and you feel like you're working hard to create those connections between the two cohorts in your class, I would not push too hard and kind of allow time to run its course. And hopefully those connections will develop, but make sure that you as the teacher are connecting with individual students um, 
as a priority. And then I know that audio, my last challenge, I think, is, is to mention audio issues um, that a lot of people have talked about, like feedback and not being able to hear, you know, students in person, not being able to hear the online and students and vice versa. And there's a lot of solutions that I think teachers themselves have come up with and shared um, among which would be the teacher echoing what students are respond are saying in their answers, um, allowing other ways to participate too, such as each kid in the room having a whiteboard. And if it's a short answer question, they can write out their response and hold it up. Um, students online responding with a hand signal, like a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. But again, um, you know, the teachers are getting so creative to, to figure all these challenges out and, you know, teachers helping other teachers is the best PD sometimes. So that's all over Twitter. And that's been a pleasure to, to see all the crowdsourcing of solutions. So I guess my last tip would be to get on Twitter if, if, uh, if you're not, because there's a lot of great ideas out there that teachers are coming up with. I agree. I know I've joined um, a couple of those large Facebook educator groups and my goodness, I have learned so much from these amazing educators. So I agree. Get on Twitter and join those Facebook educator groups. They're wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then what else can teachers and administrators do if they want to learn more about uh, building community? Um, well, um, they can certainly subscribe to my newsletter if they want to, um, they can go to, um, so I have a newsletter that goes out to school leaders and teacher leaders. I send it out about every two weeks or so. Um, they can subscribe on my website, which is teach-learn-thrive.com. Um, I always have tips for instructional challenges in there. Um, get on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at Dugan, E-D-U, um, and, and I think that's all. That's what I would suggest. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know I took away some valuable information. I was busy taking notes. Um, and I want to thank you so much. I know that you are impacting our teachers and our leaders. So um, I just want to give you a shout out of what the wonderful things that you're doing. And your website is wonderful. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. Check out my website at adwlearnpodcast.com. If you have ideas for future topics, reach out and make sure to hit that subscribe button.